Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I am a research and policy analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As many of you who listen in regularly will already know, we have three different types of podcasts. Our 10-minute lesson series, which we hope educates and informs listeners on particular areas of policy. We try and give a brief overview somewhere around the 10-minute mark and hitting on the key points that people really need to know. There's our seminar series, which provides opportunities to listen back to some of the most important presentations of past events. And then we have our interview series where we chat to experts on a range of policy areas. This week is one of those. Much has been written about the success in Finland of combating homelessness, and this has been attributed to their housing first approach. The Y Foundation in Finland is one of the key national developers of that housing first principle. The Y Foundation offers affordable rental housing for people experiencing homelessness and those who are under a threat of becoming homeless. They have over 17,300 apartments and they operate in over 50 cities and municipalities in Finland. They are the fourth largest landlord in Finland. This week, Juha Kakanen, CEO of the Y Foundation in Finland, chats to me about their work, the housing force model, their publication entitled A Home of Their Own, and the work that lies ahead for them. We hope you enjoy it. I suppose the first thing I suppose I want to acknowledge, Juha, is that in the, sorry, in the foreword for the book, the reason for writing with the book was that you no longer had to do this. So thank you very much for your time and your energy. So that rather than people ringing you up, go and explain how your housing first works, that they could just read the book. But the book I just thought was so fascinating and so interesting that I, I'm so grateful that you've, you've given me your time to sort of to, to talk through it. So I want to acknowledge that firstly. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, and it opens really with like the very first line is Finland is the only country in Europe where the number of homeless people is on the decline. This is not a coincidence. That's a huge statement, isn't it? Well, it's in in the European Union because Norway is on a similar track as Finland. So that's the exact truth <laughs> at the moment. And it's because this approach works. Yes, uh, it's it's because of this housing first as our basic principle in in the national homelessness policy but of course it's it's part of a bigger context which i mean is this basic idea of housing first which is that uh, you need, need a house you need a home home of your own and that's the foundation for your life and it makes possible to solve the other issues so this is the basic premise of, of housing first. And this means that all the other services has to be somehow related to this idea. And in the old system, even in Finland, the big part of homelessness services was temporary accommodation in, in shelters and hostels. So when we adopted in 2008 this national policy, policy based on housing first, it meant that we had to do something with the temporary accommodation. And so in, in the national program, there was, a, there was a project started where we, in, in Finland, uh, started to renovate and convert the existing shelters and hostels into more permanent housing. And there are some good examples, for example, the Salvation Army 
big unit in, in Helsinki, which had 250 bed places as a hostel for, for homeless men. And now after the renovation, they have 81 independent apartments in the building and on-site staff to provide support. So the, the, the number of the temporary accommodation places has dropped significantly during the time after 2008. And at the same time, the number of long-term homeless people has dropped, dropped also significantly. So these things seem to be related. If, if you provide permanent housing solutions, there's less need for, for temporary accommodation. But as long as temporary accommodation is the, is the main option for homelessness, the system doesn't change. It, it doesn't lead to, to ending homelessness. And this is, this is the point I, I want to make that we have been aiming to end homelessness, not to manage it. And for that reason, this kind of systemic change is, is necessary. And at the, at the moment, I don't see any other option. It, it's housing first. And of course, it's housing policy that's related to, to, to promote that, that idea also. That's really the key, isn't it? That if your system is geared towards managing homelessness and it's geared towards providing, as you said, temporary places and emergency mm -hmm. accommodation, and there's no thought given to ending homelessness. I mean, they are two very, very different trajectories. If your aim is to manage it, that goes down one path. They're two very, very different things, really, aren't they? And you can't do both of them at the same time, I don't think, can you? It's, it's absolutely true. Uh, there's a very long history, even in Finland, of this temporary accommodation. And, and everybody who works in the field knows that in, in the big picture, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It leads to this re re revolving door syndrome where people come in and go out and it, it's it's a they move from from actual street homelessness to temporary accommodation and then occasionally make it make it a, a rental flat from from the private market and then return back again so that that's not the way how it works and it's permanent housing but it's of course the, the element of support as is as important Sometimes people justified uh, the role of the temporary accommodations by saying that it's better than nothing, but it's not much better than nothing <laughs> because it doesn't prove, provide a permanent permanent solution. Well, again, that shift in thinking where I think as you have it here that traditionally a person was expected to change their behaviours and then they would receive housing as their reward for changing their behaviours. That's a big ask because if you are without the stability and the security, but knowing that you have the security and the stability allows you then to I suppose that space and that time to, to to look at maybe what other issues are going on in your life. You know, living out on the streets in a cold, wet country yeah, has yeah. to be particularly uh, difficult. Yes, yes. I, I think that at least for me, so many things are in relation to this this problem are self-evident and the one one crucial fact is that there's only one common element between all homeless people living in homelessness that they don't have a home of their own 
there they they each have their own own stories and and if you start thinking like that that you have to change somehow so it's it's pretty difficult to say that how people should change to be able to live in their own that it should be a fundament fundamental human right that you you have a place of your own and i think that in the in the western world in the more or less affluent countries it's not even a, a financial question to provide decent housing for for all all people there's a couple of key points there is housing a right in finland it's not a right here we don't have it in our constitution it's not directly mm-hmm. a subjective right only for for some special groups like like people with disabilities but there are very strong points in the legislation that lead to the same same conclusion okay. that it's in practice it, it is right uh, in our like legislation it, it, it says that the local authorities the municipalities have to provide the necessary social and health health services and of course housing is related to to this basic mission to take care of the of the citizens uh, so I, I think that in this discussion about housing rights there are there are two points that are important of course it's it's necessary that you have legislation that makes it possible but even more important is that how this right to housing is put into practice mm-hmm. how it's it's becoming a reality and that's a totally different issue i, I don't I don't think that any homeless person would be happy to know that they have right to housing, but still, still they are not getting a rental flat of their own. They are living in temporary accommodation. So it, it's not. It's it's part of the solution, and it's it's a necessary thing, but it doesn't solve homelessness. Yeah, homes solve homelessness. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I, again, I suppose there was another thing that you touched on there, which was that in wealthy countries, the there should be a facility to be able to provide affordable or social or public homes for everybody. Again, I don't know what the research, it, it doesn't quite touch on it in, in the booklet, but that the costs associated with providing emergency accommodation plus all say that the medical physical and, and mental medical issues that would probably go along with homelessness education jobs everything that would be linked with it it is cheaper to build social or affordable or public housing whatever name you want to put on it and support yeah. individuals to live yeah. in their homes than it is to than to not do it yes yes i think we have so much evidence of, of this this economic side of, of homelessness that it's more cost efficient for the for the society society saves by providing permanent housing for people living in in homelessness a couple of years ago i just happened to see some statistics about the amount of money used in in ireland for temporary accommodation and made a big quick calculation that how many apartments we could buy in finland with the same money and that was 950 apartments that we could have bought 
yeah. for homeless people for, for permanent permanent living. And, and this is probably one of the differences also that in Finland, especially my foundation, we have been buying flats, buying, buying apartments from, from the private market and kind of turned them into social housing that, that are rental flat, rental apartments for, for homeless people. So you you have to to provide permanent housing, you have to find different routes and different ways how, how to do that. And of course, the, the affordable social housing stock, presuming that it's affordable and, and it's social, that's of course one of the main routes out of homelessness. And it's of course extremely important also as a, as a measure of prevention. If you have more truly affordable, truly social housing, helps a lot in, in reducing the risk to become homeless. And in the report or in the booklet here, 60% of the population of the country live in around the main city. Is that right, to Helsinki? And so I suppose your, your homelessness problems are concentrated on the major urban centres. Does that yes. make it easier to manage? Yeah. It, it makes easier to, to, to provide the solutions, okay. <laughs> of yeah. course, of course. But, but I think that the, the important thing is that uh, I would say that we have maybe five bigger cities that are, have more people living in, in homelessness. But the point is that during this national program that was started in 2008, each of these big cities, actually 10 cities, took their own responsibility and, and together with the state authorities managed to, to make more housing available for homeless, homeless people. And that also had other effects because earlier there was a lot of movement of homeless people moving to, to especially to Helsinki because there was a lot of temporary accommodation available. But this has, of course, that kind of movement still exists, but not to, an, to that extent as it used to happen earlier. And I think that maybe in, in, in Ireland, you are experiencing similar developments that people are moving to, to big city, city centers. And, yeah. and of course, I think that in, in, in Finland, the important thing is that the cities, together with the local NGOs, they have really taken a big role in, in solving localities homelessness. Of course, it's a national problem and it has to be recognized on the government level that it's a national program. But the practical solutions are always on a, on a local level and, and the role of the state is more to make it possible in, in terms of legislation and, and providing necessary financial incentives for, for the local authorities and other actors to provide the solutions. Money is a key thing there really, isn't it? Again, to kind of quote the, the beginning of the booklet, housing naturally cannot be provided unless apartments exist. So it's been important for the implementation of the model that more affordable housing has come onto the market. So that is a key part of it, isn't it, is, is accessing the finance to be able to provide subsidised housing for low-income families and low-income individuals who would otherwise not be able to partake at market rates. So how does that work? Well, I think that 
Money, money is, of course, important, mm. but uh, actually there's less need. We, we don't need huge amounts of money okay. because, for example, uh, at, at, at the moment, in, if you think about the financial markets, the, the, the price of the money <laughs> at the moment makes building new affordable social housing a very, it, it's a very good solution at the moment. And, and especially for, for the state, it's, it's a very, very cheap option at, at the moment. The, the funding system that we have in Finland, where the National Centre of of finance and development of housing guarantees the, or gives the state guarantees for, for the loans makes makes it possible for, for the actors to get cheap money and the loans are for mortgage loans are for quite a long time for 40 years so so in practice the tenants more or less in their rents pay the cost cost of, of housing mm-hmm. during during this time okay. so the state doesn't at the moment when the interest rate is so low the, the Finnish state doesn't have to put actually any money for building new affordable social housing and over the long term it is cheaper than providing constant emergency accommodation and the the, the amount of staff that that would be required for that and everything that would go along with it. So it, it makes financial sense. So it, it makes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so it's it a, makes, it's a political will then I suppose needs to be behind the decisions, doesn't it? Oh yeah, so of course it's, in the last instance, it's a question about political will. And we have been lucky in Finland that since 2008, we have had several governments. We always have a coalition government in Finland mm-hmm. because there are, many parties but all these governments no matter what kind of coalition there has been they have agreed to continue this process to to end homelessness and actually the the current government has decided that the rest of the homelessness should be halved by 2023 and ended completely absolutely so that we would have zero homelessness in 2027 at the moment, we have in Finland around 4,300 single homeless persons. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that at least two-thirds of them are living temporarily with friends and relatives. So the actual number of homelessness is, is extremely low already. There are around 200 homeless families. And I think that this is probably also quite a big difference if we compare Finland and Ireland at the moment. But this is mainly, I think, that the low level of homelessness among families is is mainly the result of the production of affordable social housing. And of course, we have a quite strong legislation concerning the situations when when a family with children is in the risk to become homeless. So the, the local authorities have, have to act and of course this availability of auto supply of social housing plays a crucial role in that kind of situations. That's it really isn't it? If there is nowhere to place a homeless family they will remain homeless until suitable accommodation can be found which I think really is, is, is a key issue here and I know Housing Forest is always 
came from that kind of American model, but the Finnish the Finnish model is different from the American model, mm. isn't it? Yes, it is actually. <laughs> the bird history is, is a curious because uh, the the Finnish model was developed in a in a working group, so called group of four wise that our housing minister in 2007 set up, and I, and I worked as a secretary in that group. <laughs> and and I think that we had around three discussions when the principles were formulated, and and. We just wanted to change totally, turn around the existing Finnish system, and we were very happy when we found a good name for it, Housing First, and then after that went to Google and realized that Housing First already existed. But of course, the, the basic philosophy is is very similar, and I and I think that the aim is is very, very similar, and I, and I think that the the original Housing First pathways model is extremely important with people who have very complex and high support needs. But our understanding of housing first is, is a more it's a more simple model because it's based on this idea the permanent housing and then support according to the personal needs. And, and also I think that the other difference is that the housing solutions that we have been providing are a little bit different. Of course, we still have scattered housing individual departments uh, as a main option for, for homeless persons. But we also have these supported housing buildings. Some of them are former hostels that have been renovated and turned into independent apartments, where you are on, on such staff to provide support. And, and our experience is that uh, you, you need to have different kind of housing solutions. There's not only one solution that fits all. There are homeless people, people who have been living in homelessness, who also fear the risk and, of loneliness and isolation in, in scattered housing. And there are those who have more intensive support needs and for whom the supported housing buildings are better option. And also it seems that especially in the smaller ones where you have, let's say, 30 independent apartments in the same building and, and also common facilities. It seems that there's a, an important element of, of community building because you have as your neighbors people who have had similar experiences and, and know, know the struggles you have been through and that way can also provide some in, informal peer support. That really picks up, as you said earlier on, that there are there are as many routes into homelessness as there are people who are homeless. So for some, providing a key and a contract is all they need. And then there yes. are others who simply cannot, can't cope with that. Do you know what I mean? That when to pay the gas bill, when to pay the light bill, when to put the bins out. Um, mm -hmm. And then if you add on to that health issues or addiction issues, it becomes very difficult to manage. Yes, I think that, of, of course, there are among homeless people, people who have never had anything permanent in their life, anything permanent, housing conditions, anything permanent in terms of economic security, etc. But I think that the main, main thing is that 
you, you can't, when we are speaking about individual people, you can't predict the future. You, you, the, the, the ancient history of, of people don't tell what will happen in the future. Their life stories are evolving. So in, in many cases, when you get a permanent housing, that's, as you said, the key, that's all that's needed. Uh, and we don't even know when, when people who are experiencing homelessness and are suffering from, let's say, from substance abuse, using alcohol, etc. We don't know if giving a permanent housing, in some cases, it seems to solve the issue because people may have developed these, these problems during homelessness, which, is, which, which I don't wonder. That, that happens, yeah. but for some, some it's simply enough. But of course, people who who have developed and suffered for a long time for mental health issues or substance abuse, they need other forms of, of help. But it's still the housing that provides the, the foundation for also providing rehabilitation or treatment if, if that's that's needed. The security and the stability as as human beings. Is, in, is integral to growth, that the housing force philosophy, the four principles, you, you mentioned principles and you mentioned community, and those are the four principles that housing enables independent lives, there's a respect of choice for the client, rehabilitation and empowerment of the resident, and then integration into the community and society. So trying to do all of those things with somebody, I suppose it requires peace in your head, doesn't it? It requires you not to have to worry about where you're going to sleep and how safe you are. I mean, rough sleeping or being without somewhere secure is unsafe. All of it makes sense, doesn't really. Housing force, security force, stability force. Yes, yes. And of course, we have, we can list a long list of different problems that people may have. But I think that the two real issues are the, the lack of meaningfulness and the lack of belonging. And, and for that reason, you have to be very careful in thinking what, what kind of support people may, may need in the, in, in, in the future. And, and we have realized that, for example, if we have the possibility to provide job opportunities for, for people, that's extremely important because it creates at the same time meaningfulness and, and it creates a way how you get attached to society and, and and you feel important and you you have your own money. And for that reason, my foundation, for example, we have programs where we try to provide job opportunities within the foundation and, and also outside the foundation in the network of, of companies that we have. They may be long-term jobs or they may be more, more permanent jobs. And this is something that we are now really really focusing because it makes the need for other forms of support smaller yeah. also at the, at the same time yeah and, and the community work aspect of it i thought was was fascinating that within the communities where these apartment blocks are 
the residents are expected to engage and to, to bring something of, of value and of importance with them to their community. Can you can you maybe give me a little flavour of, of some of the stories there? Well, there's there's one 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 very simple example. It's from from the Vanilla building in in Espo where we have 35 tenants in, in 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 the building, and they have groups where they go around in the neighbourhood and regularly to big big brasses and, and rubbish, and that's one one way how they are visible in the in the in the neighbourhood, and, and also the neighbours see that they are making their own effort to to keep it clean and 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 that's in in that case that's their contribution of course there are there are other ways but this is just an, one example of how that can work and it's the visibility of that as well i'd imagine which is as you said kind of reassuring i mean again i kind of wanted to touch on you've got a bit here about that community living doesn't suit everybody but the communities as well need to accept and need to embrace this new this new population within their community and that can be a big ask if you have a, a, a unit maybe of 30 apartments where it's 30 individuals with complex needs that can be a big ask for a community to to embrace that yes of course every time when when a new building is built for, for homeless persons that there are a lot of prejudices also involved, and for that reason, the, the communication and exchange with, with the neighbourhood is, is so important. Uh, there's another example from from Yarvenpa. It's a more recent one where we have a, a complex where we have both a supported housing unit, as we call it, for for smaller group of long-term homeless people, and then there are normal affordable social housing in the same complex. There's also a community center or how would I say, not a day center, but, but a community center, which is meant for, for the tenants, but it's also open for, for the neighborhood. And this building is in the building complex is in the middle of the of the of the community. So this is quite an optimal case where we where we have been able we, together with the Helsinki Diagnostic Institute to provide new housing options for, for homeless people with support and, and also provide something for, for the neighborhood. They can use the premises, of course, this, this center for, for their own meetings if they want. Very good. And, and this kind of exchange with, with the neighborhood, one, one has to encourage, of course. But, but the main thing is to say that the, when we have a building where we have homeless people living as, as tenants, it's not different compared to other buildings where, yeah. where you have tenants living. And so this principle of normality is very important also for us. And for that reason, we also try to encourage former homeless people that they are eligible they, they they can use the same general social and health services as everybody else that's important i think somebody who who was homeless that's not a permanent designation that was it was something that no, happened no. for a, a period of time 
on your journey and, and it doesn't have to define who you are for the rest of your life. Yes, yes, that's, that's, I think that this is one of the mental, <laughs> mental images that we still have that a homeless person when he gets, gets a apartment, he's still, he's still ex, ex-homeless person. So that's a label that sticks and, and when somebody gets a flat, uh, his or her homelessness is ended. They are not anymore homeless. That's that. Yeah, end of <laughs> they may have, they may, may, may have different support needs as mm. everybody else who lives in their own rent, rental flats or owner-occupied housing. And the probability only difference is that people who live in their normal rental flats, they may have more difficulties to find adequate support for if they have, for example, substance abuse problems, because there's nobody who is necessarily in, in touch with them. So there's nobody checking in to see if they're okay. Nobody, nobody's checking. Yes, that's yeah. true. And I thought again, what I thought was very interesting, and I suppose was very honest, was the, the acknowledgement that, as we said here, community living doesn't suit everybody. That there will be people who rail against you no know, adults who think I don't need to be minded I don't need to be supervised does that crop up much does that cause problems well I think the general picture is that around 80 percent of people who get housing through through this our existing system they can sustain their their housing but there are of course it's it's a, it's a big group of people so of course it's not it's not always successful. And then, then you have to figure out that what was the reason of, of, of the failure. And there can be several factors to, that lead to, to these, these failures. But I would say that the important thing is to try to eliminate situations where people become homeless again because of economic problems, because we have systems to take care of that. So we have housing benefit, we have social welfare benefit. There are a lot of ways how you can take care of things that you are not ending homeless again. And this is also one part of the prevention of homelessness in Finland that we have in, at the moment, more in the social housing. We have housing advisors who engage with, with tenants when, when they see that there, are, there is a growing risk of rental areas and people are in the risk to to lose their flats and this is something that it just that's nowadays normal permanent job for in Finland we have I think around 100 housing advisors in the the, either in the city social welfare department or in the in the in the housing uh, non-profit housing companies and this is also something that is probably now becoming there's going to be a legislation concerning housing advisory. So it's going to be uh, municipalities have to organize that probably in, in the future. And I think that that's important part. There are two important parts in the prevention. The other one is to provide enough affordable social housing. And the other one is to provide this kind of housing advisory services to make care that people can keep their flats. But we are not, of course, there are failures and then, then you have to find new solutions and, and you have to try again. 
But that's the only way. You have to find another place where people could live. The booklet takes us through some really lovely case stories and, and sort of people's lived realities. I would encourage anybody who's who's interested in, in housing force to definitely download the booklet and have a read through it. Even the fact that, you know, I suppose for us here, you know, we would have no concept of how important saunas are. So saunas are an integral yes. part of, of these apartment blocks. You know, even when you're building these apartments or you're locating people that there's a, an understanding of what's needed for kind of a culturally appropriate life within within Finland. So I just thought the stories were great. And I liked, again, it goes back to that thing. There were so many different routes in and out mm. of yeah, yes, of course. So, so that's a necessity in in, in Finland. Yeah. You can't <laughs> build a bigger housing complex without without a sauna or two. Nobody'd move in, would they? No, no. It, it's a, it's a high risk if you don't have a sauna. <laughs> that's that's absolutely absolutely true. But there's yeah. also actually on on our website there's another English book. The, Homelessness in, in 2030, yes. which is a peek in, 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 into the future. And, and I, I think that it's, it's also interesting to read because the views are very different. And, and there's also something about Ireland, if I remember right. In the yes, book. yes, I did. I had a read of that as well. And again, I would encourage anybody to go on to the Y Foundation's website and find both of those booklets, download them. And these are just really, really short, maybe a page, page and a half, Yuha. And, and it's yeah. people from all different backgrounds with lots of different views who were asked to imagine the homelessness landscape in the future and and they do come up with some some of them are very depressing some of them are very heartening yeah but i mean the answer has to be if you are without a home i don't need a phd we we're not talking quantum entanglement here i don't need to be very intelligent to figure out that the solution to not having a home is is a home and i think i keep going back to the thing it's not a houselessness crisis, it's a homelessness crisis that we have mm. here. So providing a roof isn't enough. It has to be somewhere that you can call home, that's safe, secure, stable, affordable, sustainable, suitable. If you need the sauna, you have to have the sauna, that's fine, but that it meets your needs. And I think that's 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 really the key thing. So that booklet was very interesting. And, and I think that one of the, key things is also that of course it's a question about values because i think that we have to think that uh, homeless homeless people they are every homeless person is one of us they, they are not different they don't they don't have a home and that's the that's the issue and and we don't i think that we have also the tendency to make things too complicated and and in question of homelessness, you don't have to make it too too complicated. If if, if you have a homeless person, he, he needs a home to start, and then then you may figure out if there are other issues and if there's need for for more complex solutions. But the simple the solution to homelessness in in principle it's it's rather simple. It's, it's a home. It's, it's a home.
That's it. And, you know, again, the little stories here. I mean, just some of the headlines that like no one gets sober when they're homeless. I'm someone again. Even cleaning feels different. Just how important having having those four walls with your own stuff, you know, that you can have maybe two pairs of shoes now instead of one. It goes back to the will, the money and the will and, and values. I mean, you know, equal societies and when they do all of those statistics and they look around the world. I mean, Finland is 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 a quite equal society to begin with. And I wonder, does that make a difference? Equality is is central to to people's identity. Does that make a difference? I wonder in in the in how this has been approached. Yes, I I think that it has its own importance. The the idea of equality mm. in 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 the society, but it doesn't mean that we in Finland wouldn't have our own own problems and and all developments are not always pointing in the right direction there's more there's of course there's a discussion about inequality also also in in Finland is it increasing or, or not and people look at different indicators uh, and I think that it's something that you can't take as self-evident you you have to work towards maintaining equality and increasing equality all the, all the time it's not self-evident it's not something that's permanent and and there are a lot of influences also coming to finland from mainly from from i would say from the anglo-american countries that are not always good in the, in, in terms of yeah equality yeah yeah as you said about what what's valued who is valued as well i think is, exactly. is yeah 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 is, is really important i just i suppose again to kind of just to pick up on something it said which was you know the, the, the future challenges that sort of lie ahead and the fact that there are still homeless families there are mm. still homeless individuals and i know that there was something in the report about women's homelessness as well that what's what's next what's coming next well i think first of all about this homelessness of women i I think that it's an issue that has not been recognized enough earlier in finland we have done some work now in in recent years and i think that there's now a growing awareness that it's it's a difficult because it's uh, even more hidden hidden than the other forms of, of, of homelessness. And it's mainly because homeless women, women experiencing homelessness, they may have a little bit different different housing needs and support needs especially. But but for, for that reason that to take into account uh, the homelessness of women, it's also I think important that we concentrate more also on this group of people living temporary with friends and relatives because in especially in this group it, it's highly likely that there are some forms of exploitation of, of women also and for that reason it's important to, to focus also on, on that group but in our five-year plan of course we are taking part in the national efforts to to end homelessness which means that we are building more affordable social housing yearly by foundation bills around four or five hundred new affordable social housing flats. Some of them are rather unique because we have together with another foundation we have built now 
two social housing buildings, which one of them is partly reserved for low-income musicians, rock musicians. They have their own foundation and we have been working together with them. And, and the other one is in Tambere, which is the newer one, which is totally reserved for, for low-income people working in, in music business or, or in culture and arts. And of course, this has become more apparent during this COVID time that people people in these professions, they, they have very precarious situations and their income level mainly is, is so low that they easily fit in the, in the criteria for affordable social housing. There was no, no lack of applications when, when this building was, was ready. That community centre, though, in that particular building would be would be quite an advantage to any community. As you said, if you have yes, if you yes. have a, a building that's full of artists and yes, this this one in in Helsinki where we have part of the building is reserved for musicians. They, for example, have a music school of of the children, yeah. where also the children from the normal affordable social housing can take part. So these kind of solutions are possible when when the production is big enough to, to, to cover cover the needs. In other other respects, our, we have a new strategy till 2030. And one of the big things is, of course, to the climate change and how the, this will affect building new affordable social housing and what we can do with the existing housing. But we try to comp- combine different things. We try to find new ways to towards the way to, to carbon neutrality and at the same time provide housing for homeless people and, and also provide job opportunities. And in some cases, all these things can be linked together. And that's, I think, the way to find new solutions also to, to homelessness. There has been research done that compares Finnish, Irish, and I think it was Danish, wasn't it? Yes, Danish. Yeah, I Finnish mean, did, and yes. did anything strike you, you know, when you went through that thing that you were encouraged by or saddened by? Well, well, I think that the the researchers who whom I happen to, to know also these are small circles within within the homelessness research also. I think that they have done great job in in this comparison and and, and I think that they have found, uh, how would I say, the, 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 the real link between different solutions, how they work in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And I think that also they have the, the understanding that it's really a question about ending homelessness. And, and in this respect, I think that for, for Irish listeners, there's another, another very good book, which is more Compacts by Professor Owen O'Sullivan, Reimagining Homelessness, and I would recommend that book very much because it tells a little bit about the history of homelessness in Ireland also. That's a great read now, that's Reimagining Homelessness. Yes, it, it gives a very good overview of, the, yeah. of, the, of Ireland and also of the possible solutions to, yeah. to homelessness, also in other countries. And I think that's really the key thing. We've we know the evidence is there. The books have been written. The research has been done. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think <laughs> I think that 
it's really time to stop talking and yeah. start doing things. And yeah. this is what bothers me that there's so much talk about, about, for example, still about thinking about, discussing about the definitions of homelessness and, and counting the number of homelessness. And, and we, we have to work with estimates and, and it doesn't stop us from doing it. It's, it's possible to end homelessness, even though we don't exactly know how many homeless persons there are. As you probably know, there's this joke, which is not a joke that the European Union knows exactly the number of cows in, in the European Union, but they don't know how many homeless persons there are in the European Union. So we can have an endless discussion about definitions of home, homelessness, but it doesn't prevent us from working very determined, in a determined way to, to end it also. On that note, Juha, I think I'm going to say thank you so much for your time. Is there anything, I, I, think, I think that's the perfect note to end it on as well. I really do yeah. that whilst people are sitting talking, you're making, okay, you might not know how many homeless people there are, but you can make a difference yeah. to this one person's life and exactly. this one person's life exactly. and this one person's life. Exactly. That's what matters. Yes, and, and the thing is that politicians in decision-making, they, they love numbers. Mm. They say that they want facts, they want numbers. Yeah. But it's also a way of distancing from, from, from the real people behind those numbers. Yeah. And that's always good to remember that there, are, there may be numbers, but there are always real people who are facing the realities of homelessness at the moment, even at the moment. Juha, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it useful and informative. If you have any ideas for future podcasts, any topics or subjects that you would like us to discuss and explore, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your suggestions. Until the next time, stay safe.